Hello and welcome to the Sensory Matters podcast. I am Loz and today I'm joined by Richie from Awesome Tistic. Can I just say, Richie, you are looking absolutely gorgeous today. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm all right, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Just been trying to plod on through stuff. Yeah, it's weird because this time last week I was at your house. <laughs> yeah, I know, it was nice to show you the garden's all finished and stuff because I managed to do the garden through lockdown. Moved house through lockdown. Had just loads of stuff going on through lockdown, trying to like still survive, I suppose, like everybody else. Yeah, I think that's like we'll touch a lot on that today about because yeah. for you, your business was primarily going into schools and teaching about autism and how they can help kids with autism. And then COVID struck and schools closed, so that obviously affected you massively. Definitely, I think I lost about well in the first week. I know I lost seventeen schools in one go. Then I had to write them all in my thingy to make sure that I would ring them back. I've rang half of them back and I've got them all booked in again, which is a blessing. But that you're talking like two years. So I was going to go into years four, five and six, but then years four and five aren't there anymore. So it's it's really weird, you know, like, and then some of the staff have changed and then it's, you lose a lot of your, um, like your connections. I mean, I've got a board up here, which shows us like all of the people and all of the contacts that I have, for instance, instance, around Durham, around Gateshead, around um, South Shields. You contact these people and a lot of the people that I've asked still like were on furlough at the time or they've actually moved jobs and they're not working there anymore. Yeah. So like it's you'd, almost... you'd, you'd gained a lot of momentum with what you were doing as well. Like you were really smashing it like you were in school after school, helping kid after kid and like really doing well. And then all of a sudden that lockdown kind of just came out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, it was it was weird because obviously um when I was going through lockdown, I'd, um, I was having my own difficulties, obviously, because it was so much change and my autism was going from A to B. And I loved being like a tornado going through like the community and going through doing what I do best kind of thing. But um, I was losing myself at the same time. So in the first couple of weeks, it was a bit of a blessing. But then after yeah. that, it wasn't. I started realising that actually now when Autistic starts up, and it, well, I mean, it's, it's still around. It's just I need to start trying to give it that energy I had beforehand because I lost the the um like the confidence I lost myself a lot as well so and you know we talk about mental health a lot in the news and a lot of things but my mental health has been like shockingly all over the place um over probably the last 18 months and it's only now that I'm starting to feel a little bit more like obviously you can see me lovely studio I haven't been back in this studio since March um I did one video I worked my butt off in the garage to build a studio um and when it was built I was really excited and then I got a little bit of a knock of confidence in March um and then I haven't been back in, so this is only the first recording since then, really. It looks absolutely incredible. I wish I had that. <laughs> Obviously, you've got me little teddies all here, and then I've got me little dummies and stuff going on, and then Gracie's still chilling out in the background, so... Yeah. So, that's one thing you've done during lockdown, is you've built a studio in your garage. I built this, I moved house. I built a studio in the garage. I come, changed my whole entire garden... Um, with decking and trying to get a hot tub in there and just messed around and stuff. Um, but then I also, like, it sounds weird, but I've also changed my image of who I am. Um, a lot, as you'll see, today was a little bit hard for us because I've now got my little hairband in here. Is it here? I don't know, because the camera's in reverse. Or here. Um, because I was just, I realised that over the last, like, when Autistic started, I was only being, half of it's okay to be me because you can see that part of my big thing, which is, if I show you a quick little picture, you'll be able to see it, um, on that one there. Can you still hear us all right? Yep, so you can see on there, I was telling everybody autism can be awesome and it's okay to be me, but I wasn't being a fully, like, me. And the reason is, is, like, I think it's a big subject to talk on, is you, you have this, um, 
it's hard because we live in this crazy world of all having everybody politically correct in a little bit, and I live in this tiny little bubble about this big with two or three people in it. But you had, in my eyes, I had the LGBTQ plus type of people, and then you had the straight people. This is just my interpretation of it. And now I was thinking to myself, but I'm 100% straight, and I'm only interested in women, and that's absolutely, that's like my choice, and that's who I am. But I also want to be really girly at the same time. Um, and I also wanted to have, like, as you'll say, I've got my little bit of blush on and my nails done and just the way I look and stuff. And I was finding it really difficult when I was growing up. I always liked, um, like, pastel colours. Pink's my favourite colour. When you growing up in a world where people are telling you, oh, like, and they use it really loosely, be like, oh, he looks a little bit gay. Or, oh, you definitely do that. Or your mannerisms, even when you're approaching the room, God, you look dead camp there. And that was the life that I grew up in, the 90s, do you know what I mean? So it knocked all my confidence. I was thinking, well, why can't I have all the things that girls have and all that girly stuff, but still be 100% straight and be who I want to be? Yeah, and it was really, I kind of, like, winding us up. So it wasn't until... Like probably about six or seven months ago, I decided that I need to start being more me. So I started off putting a little bit on and a little bit more and I built it up. And I'm kind of finally at a stage where I'm happy with myself of who I am. Um, yeah. And it, I don't really care what anybody thinks anymore. I try my best. It's hard because I, I get a lot of stares, people staring at us. And I, I did a little test with myself. So I took it all off and I just had a blue hoodie on and I had my ear defenders on. Uh, people were still staring. I took my ear defenders off and I had just Gracie when I was walking. People were still staring. And I realised that no matter who I am or what I have on it, people are just going to stare anyway, so I should just be stop worrying about people staring. Um, so I did that and then my confidence has kind of been growing like more and more and more, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've um, seen that because we're, we're actually friends. So we are, yay. We are, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, because your whole slogan is, it's okay to be me. And I, I agree, I think you were being half true to yourself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it's easy to go around there and, and feel like it's weird because when I had these jackets on, I had like an autistic hoodie on and it said on the back, autism, it's okay to be me. Now, if I had the mis- massive big buff on, like big, big roses on and everything, and somebody sees your jacket and it's got autism written on it, straight away, for some reason, people think, oh, well, that's all right. It's got autism. Yeah. Take that blanket off and you just wear a big girly, like I've normally got like a unicorn jacket that I like or I've got a teddy bear one and stuff like that. People say that, then they don't have an answer because there's no words on to brand us with something. Do you know what I mean? And I've been trying my best not to use that blanket as safety anymore and just be more me. Because yeah. um, I don't see why anybody can't just be happy and be in themselves. You know, I've, there's in my community on Autistic, I know I've got a lot of people in a lot of different genders, a lot of bit of things. But the scary thing for me is, is I don't know anything about the world. It sounds really nuts, that, like, but I, like, I live in my own little bubble, so whatever anybody wants to say about me, what I fit in, I always get worried in case I'm going to say the wrong thing to upset somebody. I always think I'm going to say, like, um, I can't give you any examples off the top of my head, but you, you know what, I'm, what I mean? Yeah, and it happens a lot, I think, especially nowadays, because it's like if you say the wrong thing, you immediately jumped on. Yeah. Where really, the only way you learn is to say something wrong and somebody tells you, well, actually, this, it's this. Uh-huh. It's like, people it's are like they don't want to teach you anymore. I was thinking in my head, right, I thought, this is how much information that I know, right? I was thinking, right, you had the LGQ+, and I think there's other initials, I'm not too sure about it now, but you have that, that thing there. And then I was thinking, well, where do I fit in? Because I am 100% straight, and I'm only attracted to women, and that's absolutely fine. But I'll also tell you, if a man's good looking, because I'm not really, like, I just don't, I honestly don't believe that men can't say that another man's good looking because you either think he's good looking or you don't. I think, let's use an example. You know Thor of, um, of the Avengers, right? He's one handsome man, isn't he? 
Right, anybody, I can say that, but in but then the life that I grew up in, people were like, well, you can't say that, mate. You gay like, are you something like that? And they'd be like, really like, well, like, well no, look at him, he's clearly a good-looking, chiseled man. But it doesn't mean that I fancy him. It just means that I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, Do you know I what I mean? mean? We're a similar age, so I grew up in a very similar time to you. Like, I think with I'm 39, you're 37. Yeah. Yeah, so I know exactly what that's like, because I was like a tomboy. So obviously I was called a lesbian. You must be a lesbian. So I think we've got a very similar. It's weird, isn't it? And it, and it? But it's them It's them comments when you're not confident make you be a little bit shy and you took yourself away. And it's not until you start believing in your friends around you, start encouraging you to be more you, that you stop this type of thing, you know? Yeah, I think as well, though, when we were growing up, it was like it was wrong to be gay or, or lesbian. Yeah. Like people made out it's like it was a really bad thing. Yeah. And now. It's just part of life, and most people, because there are still people that are judgy and, and horrible, but most people like just let people be themselves, and that's yeah, fine. I know what you mean. It's like I was out two times. I was still worried. I was like, obviously, you know, when you it was your dean. I don't mind. I hope you don't mind us talking about. We we're sitting in we're sitting in the hot tub now. We're having a few drinks and stuff. Um, and he said that he was questioning himself. I says, and then I obviously asked him. He says, well, what do you mean? He says, just the way that you come across, you're just so manly. He says, like, you've dug this whole garden yourself. Your crack that you have is really, like, manly kind of crack kind of thing. And I was thinking, well, yeah, because I am. And he was so encouraging, like, to to hear these nice words that I was accepted. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, just because I might, like, wear girly things and come across really camp, is that, that's what they use, I don't know. But then I think myself, like, well, I'm just me. I want to go into a room, I want to dance, and I want to, like, prance around or whatever I want to do. Like, I just, it's me, but it's allowed. To, and then when I, I have really good pride in telling people that, oh, this is my girlfriend, or, oh, this is my partner, or do you know what yeah. I mean? Just because I think to myself, like, if I do that, then people think, well, eh. And so a lot of people don't get it, but then a lot of people do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I must say, like, because obviously we were at yours last weekend, and yeah. I think you and, your, you and your partner are, like, a lovely, just an amazing couple. So supportive of each other and, like, definitely... You know when a couple's meant to be together? Yeah. You you buzz off each other? Yeah, definitely. It's, and it's like bouncing back from each other as well, isn't it? Yeah. But it's, it's it's been a blessing, but then I'm still a little bit nervous and a little bit scared because obviously it's hard for other people, especially if you, you know them for a long time and then they see what Richie used to look like and then what Richie looks like now. But then I think to myself, well, I've just got a, a brush of fresh air and now bring that actually it is okay to be me. You know, yeah. And then I worry about all the other boys and girls that I can help, regardless of their gender or sexuality or their identity. Whoever they are, just be whoever they want to be. They shouldn't be scared of anybody telling you that you can't be that person, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But and I think as well, from when you were diagnosed as autistic, right, so, like, you were, you worked as, um, well, you were an engineer? A mechanical manufacturing engineer. Right. Yeah, so you were, like, totally masking your life. You call you call it... Um, Presentation, presentation, yeah. Like you were one person that was not you at all, and yeah. then you got that diagnosis, and then you've kind of found yourself. But it's it's been a long journey, hasn't it? It's gone from like finding that you're autistic and well, all these things are acceptable. They put you down with um, a detachment disorder when you're a child with adoption. The way I like was protruding in that, and then um, you got stuck with that for your life. And then I just thought I was like you. I mean, you've heard as in the past. 
where I honestly thought I was a freak and a weirdo for like 30 odd years. And that's the truth. I constantly used to tell myself that. And I'd, my behaviours weren't the same as everybody else. And it all just contributed to mental health. I mean, knocking myself down. People telling you thick and stupid. People saying that you're never going to... I mean, if you leave good qualifications with no GCSEs, um, like I got one GCSE in maths, which was a C, and then the rest were just like G for German, E for English, F for French, and that's the truth as well. So I was more yeah. happy that then with GCSEs. But then when I did decide to prove everybody wrong, that I can, I'm not thick and stupid, I'll go and get a degree. So then I um, I went and got my degree in engineering, I got a degree in kind of manufacturing engineering, and then I got that, got diagnosed with autism eventually, after 18 months wait, and, uh, waiting list, and then I just quit my job. And then doing this autistic thing, um, and then I just—it's only because I wanted to go around and make sure everybody was okay to be there. But then, after being in it for a year, I was realizing I went down. You know, when we went down to that Autism Hero Awards, I don't think you were that one. Um, I went down there and I look back at the photos now, and I've got a lovely like blue suit on, and I've got pink ear defenders. And at that point, that was a massive deal for me wearing pink ear defenders. But now, I literally have everything pink. In yeah. the, I mean, just from that being that awards, if I was to ever get an award in the future, what would I wear next? Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, you know, like I've seen like Harry Styles and things like that when they're wearing a dress in Vogue and stuff like that. Yeah. I want to be, the, I want to be like that person where I can wear whatever I want and be whoever I want and let people know that it's okay to be themselves. Do you know what I mean? Because I honestly believe, like, this is what I was, this is how much mental stress I've caused on myself. I've even thought about telling people that I'm gay. Just because I get an easier ride. But then I'd be thinking, well, I'm not. So why do I need to try and push myself into another box when actually I could just tell people I don't care what you might think about the way that I perceive or look or act or say or anything like that. But actually, I am just a straight guy. If you know what I mean, what I'm trying to so it's it's been a kind of little battle, my own personal battle. And I can imagine loads of people out there are having their own personal battles. But then I was thinking to myself, how many other men, right, are knocking about with other men, being a bloaty bloke, having a good laugh in the pub and all that type, but secretly just are really unhappy with themselves because they're scared to be their natural self. Yeah. They're okay to put their hand up and still say, you know, it is, I am straight, but actually, I do like that, I do like the smell of that, or I do want a bit of perfume on, or I do want some of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, because I'm a bit of, like, the reversal of you, I, like, a bit more manly like I've got I've started to be myself I've got my hair shaved my undercut um you know I wear my track suits and but I do put myself in situations where I try to be feminine because I think that's what I should be yeah so like I like to go to the pub for a pint but I'll go and have cocktails and put a dress on and I feel so uncomfortable but I feel like that's what I'm meant to do when I should be going to the pub wearing your dress, having your cocktails, can't we do Well, yeah, because uh, we went to the National Diversity Awards, didn't we? And a, a picture popped up on my timeline last week, and it was you in a suit and me in a dress. And I was thinking, do you know what? I'd have loved to wear that suit. I'd have been much more comfortable in a little dicky boat tie. Definitely. Yeah, I think that would do. Like, And is it about feeling comfortable? Because when you don't feel comfortable in a situation, it kind of ruins the situation, doesn't it? It does, and I, what I've... I've been struggling with this over probably the last week, actually, right? So, not just this top, because this has got, like, if I have a look all the way around the back, it's got, like, a bit of a bow at the back. I don't know if you can see it. Um, and I love this top. It's mint. But I've also got some other girly tops. And I think it's like, when I'm out there, I'm not enjoying having them on or being me because I'm worried about too many people looking at us and judging us and calling and thingy and like that. And then, I even, right, last week, right, Sue said to us, and I didn't hear the guy, we're walking along, right? 
And these group of big group of lads were walking past. And they went, here, look at him. Right? Looked over. And then one of the lads in that group went, ah, oh, he's got autism, him. And I was thinking, what does anything that I've got on? Well, I didn't have any ear defenders. I, th- I had her, like Gracie. Um, that's all I had. And he presumed that I had autism. And I was like, wow. Like, he either knows about us on Facebook or something or knows about us because of the way I live. But I just thought it was a little bit crazy when he was doing that. Which, and it's a funny thing because people always say, oh, you don't look like you're autistic. You know, yeah. you get a lot of people saying that and then people say, no, yeah, he's autistic. But Come then I have look. loads of like, <laughs> I have loads of people saying, oh, well, he looks gay. And I've kind of, I've kind of got to a level now where I don't have to be like hurt by what they're saying anymore because I just think to myself, well, you don't know my life and you don't know what I've been through. You don't yeah. know who I am and you don't know what I've got now. Yeah, I also think that people that judge are probably not happy in their own circumstances. Well, I wonder if these people that judge look at us and go, oh, I'd like a bit of that. Yeah, they're just not confident enough to do it. A bit of because in, like, it's always been known, no matter who I've been with, I've always said that I can fit into any crowd. Like, literally, and it's because of that presentation which we were talking about before, is that I literally, in any room, in any circumstance, can jump into that person's body because I was so scared about what people, of not fitting in and, like, rejection and stuff. So, like, obviously doing this podcast with you today is obviously really scary for me because obviously people get to watch it and things, get to see my lovely little pretty face and stuff. And I worry in case, like, for example, like, I'd love to do YouTube videos, I'd love to do TikTok videos, but then I always worry about being criticised because I think to myself, well, I'm just a generally nice guy. I've got my heart in the right in my sleeve. I'll tell people exactly how it is. I don't know all of this other world that people live in. All I want to know is that I can go out and help people and make them feel good to say that it is okay to be me, and that's it. I don't want any grief. <laughs> Do you, you know what I mean? Because that's not my intentions. And if I ever upset somebody, I'll be gutted. Yeah. Like, I hate upsetting people. I, and then, but I'm also a half of a wicked tongue, and because I'm a human being, I can't be nasty. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's something I do, like training people. I let people know that just because somebody's got autism doesn't mean that they're a nice guy. You can still meet, pardon me French, a few dickheads that have autism. Because it's not who defines you. It defines you as a person is like who you are and your heart and who you in what life you've had to lead you down there. Autism it doesn't make who you are. Do you know what I mean? And that's why I think people... I've met a lot of people in the past that when they get a diagnosis with autism, they lose themselves. They carry a big chip on their shoulder to say that the world owes them something now and it, and it doesn't. You should be appreciating that you're glad that you've got something that's pretty awesome and embrace it rather than trying to say that it's a... Loads of like I've had I did a few videos for um TED Talk and then in some of the words I was like like I kept saying about how autism can be awesome. The kid was having a go saying like how can you think that people with autism can be awesome? I was like, Oh, why can't they be? Because actually it is a pain in the arse. It's really, really hard. I stress a lot about it. I've got structure, routine goes wrong, the sound of the washing machine, everything contributes to my overload. But I don't want to talk about all the negative stuff. We'll talk about all the things that it brings mint on that people like have a little smile when I say something that's a little bit total random or you know like I like that type of stuff. Yeah, so like let's talk know. about what you've been doing. So obviously the we got uh, COVID, we got lockdown. You can't go into schools anymore. Uh, you've done a lot of stuff personally, like moving house, doing your garden, doing your studio. You've been through some bad times, but you've also done what you say you always do: help people. Yeah, I've been um, I've been working with the police um, in the northeast, and I've um, like, I put myself out there to see if they could take us on and help them. And it was all for free um, because I needed to keep my brain active. And what I've been doing is I've been getting like this sounds nuts. I love saying it like this as well. Though I've been getting arrested on purpose. 
So I yeah. get going down to custody, it's a sim simulator. Right? I don't even know why people do that. I don't even know what it means, simulator, if that's not real. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, right, so I've been going down there, going to custody, putting handcuffs on, going behind the, the glass door, going into the bit where they're taking into the cell, getting all my personal belongings taken off us, going into a cell that's got a black, uh, silver-like metal door, going into one that's got a see-through door, and then I, afterwards, I, like, go to the nurses and the NHS and stuff and tell them how it felt being an autistic person. Regardless, because people with autism are either down there as a victim or down there as an absolute somebody that's caused a crime for some reason, but my, there wasn't a reason to say that what we're trying to do is not to even get them down to custody in the first place. Does this person really need to come down to this environment, right? That's the first thing. Then the second thing is, if they are in this environment, regardless if they're guilty or not, how can we make it the best and easiest transition for them and how can they feel comfortable and stuff? So we've been trying to work our best out. We've got some results which are coming out in a couple of weeks um, from the work that I've been doing. Um, but I've been in about four or five police stations, been going pretty cool. Um, and, uh, I keep going down there. It's been working over it for the last six months, maybe seven months now, uh, just to make a tiny, small change. Because if I can make a tiny change, I'll be happy. It'll be worth it. And I'm hoping that the change that I want to implement, which I have to keep for, is um, going to come out soon. Um, but we'll have to say I'm hoping me, me hard work pays off because I always feel better when I'm helping somebody else. Yeah. So when you got arrested, <laughs> what? Like, how did it feel? Was it was it really bad sensory-wise? Oh, well, the first time, one of the ones I went to was like, you know, when you go to swimming baths and it's like this little tunnel when you come out of the swimming pool and then it opens up to a massive pool. It smelled like a swimming baths and it was just really overwhelming. But the, the worst part was when you stand at the desk because the desk was all straight and you were standing there. You could hear other people's conversation. Everybody was up. But then they took Gracie off us. Then they took me hairband out. Then they took, like, obviously me dummies and stuff. Like, oh, took all this stuff off us put it in a bag, and I had an Apple Watch on, that went on, and he put it in the bag, but he, like, dropped the bag on, and I was like, does he know that that watch costs 300 quid? Like, it costs a lot of money, me. Like, and he was just, like, bouncing this bag around, and I was getting all freaked out. The clock wasn't straight. They were asking us probably a million questions, and I just turned into the yes mode, and I was like, yes, yes, yeah. Because I was pretending that I'd had a drink, and some of the questions were asking, have you had a drink today? Yeah. Was very, like, thinking, I was like, well, if I'm not a drink, then I'm dehydrated. Of course, I've had a drink today. Do you know what I mean? So then I'm like, yep, yeah, no problem, have a drink. But obviously, now I know it. He meant, like, have you had an alcoholic drink? Do you know what I mean? And then after the questions were going on and on and on for this risk assessment, I just thought, I'm just going to say yes to everything. So then they moved you into the cell, and they were like, don't press the button unless you need to. And I was like, well, I don't want to press the button now in case I needed something. So I was sitting there, should I press the button? Should I not press the button? So I'm having, like, getting distressed in this white cell. It was I was really overwhelmed, the whole situation. But then I went into another police station, a different one, and they had for some, some people that have bad anxiety and stuff to go into a quiet room to get asked the questions. So we went in this quiet room and instantly it was a completely different experience. All so across the board, board, they're not doing the same thing each place. The questions for the risk assessment and the procedures are exactly the same. Obviously, the only thing that's different is the surroundings and the police station layout. Some are older buildings, some are newer buildings, some are like put the cell next to where I was was right next to the kitchen and all I could smell was greasy bolognese like but when I had a look at the bolognese as well it was like microwave packets um, of all these different foods like I couldn't eat any of it because it was all stinky but I wanted to try my best to give them the best experience because I try and put myself in the shoes and the way that I was doing it wasn't just through my eyes because everybody with autism is different aren't they you know so there I was just trying to give them as a whole as like what a few people might think I know that they have had other autistic people and other inputs from other people to get a, a rounder, 
like idea, you know, not just all from me. Um, but if I make a tiny small change, obviously, then I'm happy, you know. Yeah. And see, I think you, you're you one of those people that straight away you, you spot and notice things because um, Jamie's school did a, a work week and we both went, didn't we, to do a talk? Yeah, yeah. And, like, as soon as you walked into the staff room, you said, that laminated... It's laminated and colourful. It's shining straight into my eyes. You know why have you got that? Like you, everything you see, you can point out straight away. And they're things that, if you're not autistic and you don't have sensory issues, you wouldn't even think about. So they, these right. teachers are like trying the best, but they've got no idea. Well, I was trying to tell people that me um, when people ask me where I am on the spectrum, just to try because everyone's like, oh, we're all a little bit on the spectrum, aren't we? And it always drives us a little bit nuts. So now what I see is actually just think of as it of um, as a as a zero to ten, right? So for me, my plan and my layout on the autism spectrum would be I'll have a couple of eights and nines. I have a number five, possibly. And I do have two or three. So that means that on that spectrum, that's my build-up. Somebody else might come along and say, I've got a couple of threes and fours. Um, I'm basing that on like low functional and high function because obviously they don't use it anymore. And it's obvious why they don't use it. It's stupid. It's because I used to tell parents off because I used to say, oh, this is Zach. Oh, this is um, Dave. And he's got a... Um, He's got autism and um, he's high functional. And they tell the teacher this, and then the teacher's like, "Well, obviously, that don't need to worry about him because he's high functional. Yeah. He's just sitting there, he do all the work, get it." But actually, he's just let that child down by saying that because actually, some of his needs aren't visual, and some of he could be sitting there in total distress, or because of a laminate. Yeah, and that's you know it. Because I mean? when Jamie was diagnosed, Jamie's diagnosis was high functioning autism. Yeah, and so the, the the consultant actually said to me, "You don't need to worry because." you won't have many difficulties where actually it's like you say um you keep it all inside yeah. because that's what you're expected to do and really it's just it's so hard i think as well with nice people nice people that have got autism right i think people underestimate how unselfish of a person we are because say for instance I, and it happens to me all the time we where i have to put that other person's in front of me that when we're speaking first because really I know it's inappropriate to tell them to shut up because I can't digest any more of their information or if their story's courtly, like, overwhelming us. But then I sit there and I nod and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I told you. Because I don't want to feel ungrateful that they're having a conversation with us and I push all my needs and swallow it all down in my stomach that later on when I finish that conversation, I'm going to, like, be sick and all that back out and I'm on the full-on meltdown all because I put that person first. And, and people don't understand that I do that on a daily basis. To yeah, try and, and I think, you know, I think a lot of autistic people do do that. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. from simple things today. Um, Sue put the washing machine on this morning, not thinking. Now, she did say that she'd pause it, but actually, with the washing machine on in my house, what it does is it magnifies everything else that I could have got away with. AJ dust. Yeah. Just for some reason, the washing machine comes on such a loud noise that everything to do with the autism magnifies. So, and it's just like... Probably little things like that that we um that people take for granted that just because I don't show or yeah. have a look, you know what I mean. So this is what I love about you because children can't speak up and say that. So you've got a kid who's got sensory issues in a house, and the mum puts on the washing machine, and they're just sat there keeping it all inside because they don't know what to say or how to explain it. Because to say to say to somebody, "Oh, that washing machine's overloading me," they'd be like, "What? That's that's daft." Yeah. But you like there's a couple of stories you've told me about going into schools. And like there was a kid who couldn't have his lunch, was it? The the when he walked past the canteen, the smell got him. All oh, right, yeah. Or the guy that couldn't sit with all the other people having yeah. the lunch, and you close his eyes. Yeah, and nobody nobody knew until you went in and you spotted straight away what it was. Yeah. 
and that's that's why I think you're so so helpful when you're going into schools because kids and kid, as a kid I'd be scared to tell my teacher it was peer pressure isn't it it's the peer pressure you don't like I've seen little kids like rubbing the floor right and then I'll be like have you seen that to the teacher and they'll be like no and I've not realised that and what he was doing is he was rubbing the floor because he was getting the smell off the, t- the towel that the cleaners put on but at his age, he was already learning what was socially acceptable and not because he was looking around the classroom to make sure nobody was watching him do it because he knew he would get wrong. He was hiding his autism because he didn't want to get wrong. And that's obviously what I'm trying to stop. You see that if it's a safe thing to do, let him do it. If it's not safe, replace it with something safe. Yeah. And I think that's where I am. I'm trying to get, like, from my point of view, I try and speak to teachers at the autism show and stuff to try and allow kids to use other things to redirect them. Because yeah. a lot of teachers still think it's like, oh, that's distracting. Yeah. Where, like, it's not distracting because sometimes you'll be fidgeting to be able to listen. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, like, I've heard a lot of stories that you've told me about, like, going into schools and, like, going into the police and stuff. And just you can spot things like that. And I think that child, you've helped that child in, in a second. Yeah. You and know, I think that's that like... When I go back to how I look and things like that, I was thinking to myself that I'm going in to tell these kids that it's okay to be themselves and I'm helping them with their autism. But then I was thinking, well, I'm not helping myself because I'm not showing that kid or them teachers that it's okay to be myself. Do you know what I mean? Because if I can't, if I can, like I used to play with poo for about 20 years until I voiced it and I found something to replace it and stuff. But at the time, it was the only thing that I had because it was an unhygienic tool. And, yeah. um, and I'm thinking to myself, I want to be completely happy now. I've got autism. I love it. It's hard. It's really pain in the butt sometimes. But I do love what it can do. I know I can help people. But then I need to help myself a bit more. And that's what I've been trying to work over through lockdown and the COVID and things like that, is that I need to be more me. I need to stop yeah. being embarrassed of who I am. Yeah. And I don't know where I fit in this society. I don't know who, if what bracket I fit in. But then I've decided that, sorry, I don't want to. I want to fit into my own bracket. Yeah, you, yeah just be you. I don't want to fit in anything. I just want to be me and wear what I want to wear, be who I want to be and help as many people as I can and just and not have to justify myself to everybody all the time of why I want to do a particular thing or why I want to smell it. Even a simple magazine or smelling like a tissue or plastic bags, having different feels, all the stuff that I resented to me being like a freak when I was a kid that actually I'm not going to, I'm just going to do these things and not worry about it anymore. Like if you think about it, right, I've sat in this co- this uh, podcast with you, right, and there's something on my table that I need to talk to you about, right? I haven't talked to you about it because I knew we were doing a podcast and I had a certain subject, right? But it's something that caught me eye, so then I've put my needs one side when I've had to have this conversation with you. This is a fine example of me wanting to t- approach the total randomness thing ever, right, by the way. But then I haven't because I've been a bit stressed, right? And it's this. I don't know if you can see it. Can you see it? Right, so these this is a new product, isn't it? Yeah. Can you see it or not? Let's see if I can do it. Um, let's do if I can do a, a thing. See if it works. I don't think it's going to work, so we're not going to touch it. Right, I'm going to stick it here so people can see. Can you see it? Yeah. Right. So obviously, I'm going to have to smell this as I always do because I do. Let's see if it's actually got a smell because it's not been opened yet. Yeah, it's still got the same smell. It really has, like a really big plasticky smell. But here we go. Okay. Can you see it? Yeah. This is the first time I've ever seen this on an autist um, chew from Chewy Gem, right? Are you ready? Is why the numbers have started coming on. Oh, uh, yes. So we used to print them on the packet. Right. 
from what, so it's like a batch number. Yeah, twenty twenty one four. Yeah, so we if sometimes there's like occasionally a product that doesn't cure properly. Right. So if somebody comes back to us and said, oh, you know, I've had a problem with a product, we can go back and find that batch number. Right. So originally we printed them on the back of the packets, but people change their packets all the I time. Did. It used to be in the corner there. It did, yeah. And that's now, and you're doing that on all the new products? Yeah. Cool. Just so I'm that, sure. like, you know, definitely which, which batch it's come from. So if there are any issues, we can always link it back. Yeah, because yeah. if you've got loads of different packets, like with Jamie's, I put them back in the packets, but I'll put them back in the wrong packets. Man, I collect the packets. <laughs> oh, I have, I have some issues. <laughs> oh. Are you ready? I yeah. actually have, like, literally all of the packets of every single chew that I've ever chewed on. That is awesome. Right, there must be. Like, they're just, there's loads. Like, literally. And then I also have another issue, which I'll let you into. If I haven't got two of them, I won't chew it. Right? So, what, in case you chew through it? No. Because I have got issues. We're in here, okay? Is, I'm not going to pull them all out. It is one of every chew. So I've not got any doubles. So they're all different. I've even got like some of the ones that are like the green ones. In yeah. like one of the pink one, obviously my favourite colour. Some of the corkies. Like yeah. one of everything. And I kind of chew them because then I won't have one of everything. I bet you've got stuff in there that we don't even do anymore. Well, let's have a think. What you might not do. Do you still do the cat pendant? Yeah, and we still do that in pink. Right. Do you still do... I'm excited. Orange, orange ring. No, we don't do the orange one. Right. Do you still yeah. do the brick one? Yes. Do you still do the balls? Yeah, but not in that colour. Do you still do this one? Not in that colour. Do you still do the green and the dark pendant? Yes, we do. We've got that one. But I bet you've got loads in there that people want. Have you still got, do you still do these ones? They're good to slap around. Blue teardrop? We do, but they're out of stock. I know people are desperate those. Just goes on and on. I've got a red pendant. I've got a board. Yeah, I can't use them because I only like to have one of each. That's... Well, do you buy things in twos at the supermarket? Well, I've just actually put a post on, right, my classic way of getting out of things, right, I'd only put the post on yesterday, actually, right, so I went and ordered a pizza, right, from the takeaway, and I wanted a large kebab meat pizza, and then he says, I says, and a tub of garlic, and then he asked us, and I wasn't really feeling my best, and he was like, do you want some garlic, or I no, I says, can I have a tub of garlic, and he says, do you want a small or a large, now, I don't know how big their small is, and I don't know how big their large is, and then I just said, I'll have both. And then I thought to myself, for 70 pence, I'll just take myself out of this total meltdown that I'm about to have about making a decision over two things. So then I just bought both, and then luckily there was enough garlic. That, and that's really good that in the moment you can do that. Well, it's just because I just thought to myself, I, make decisions, I have to make decisions that obviously it costs money as well. But sometimes if I, back in the day, if I couldn't make my mind up or what takeaway to want, a pizza or a kebab, 
I used to just get a kebab pizza and have them both. Because then it would eliminate from having any disappointment or not being able to make a decision and being stuck with one of the guys. So these small kind of costs make it easier life for me. Yeah. Is yeah, like you say, set for 70 pence and you got more garlic sauce and it prevented a meltdown. Exactly. Yeah. No, but it's been really good talking to you, though. I don't know how long you would like to do a podcast for, because I can talk forever. I don't, we won't go on too much long, but I do want to know what your plans are for the future. Right. My plans for the future is to... I want a drama series. That's what I really need in my life. I want a drama series because I want to talk about when I was adopted, abused, neglect, adopted by again. Then I want to talk about, obviously, me autism as a whole. I want to talk about me adoption. I want to talk about self-harming, gambling. I want all of these categories that I have lived in a real life to be over a four-part series that then turns around for me to come out at the end on the top. Then, to finish it off, covering it all out, like mixing it in there about like when I used to try some of my sister's makeup on or some of this type of thing. All little things to come in. And then at the end series, at the end final, shows like, obviously, like myself, if you know what I mean. And then just to try and educate the world that people, like I do feel like I've had 10 lives in one. And I just want people, and I just think I've got so much, just, not just autism. But the sensory side, the adoption side, the neglect, the detachment disorder, the antipsychotic side, everything, like, all is one. I just want to do a nice big drama series about the whole thing. Um, and then for people to be, like, on the edge of their seats all the time, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I obviously... If, if anybody is interested in your life, they should get your book, because there's quite yeah, a bit in the book. That's great. Uh, I've got a book here, actually. This one. I'm a little bit. It's called The Art of Weaning in the Sink. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, we can. Cool. The art in the sink is just all about my life and it's got everything in there. It's even got diagrams of um, me therapy that I had and stuff like that. So if anybody wants to them, they can get when them. I, read it, I couldn't stop. I just I, I went from start to finish. Yeah, it's too. I would have had it twice as thick, but the person that helped us write it um, said like they wanted to take stuff in and engage with it. And I get what he was doing and stuff, but for me, I think it needed a little bit more. And I think now I'm more open. I think I could probably add a few more things that would make people like turn the turn themselves. And it's fully right. So I'll give you one more example about my bladder. So I'm incontinent. And I'm happy to tell anybody about it because it's real life. But when I go back six years ago, I was so embarrassed by it, right? That I would like hide my tops. Like for instance, like I'll show you. I'm not going to obviously thing it off, but you can see here these tops go all the way around to clip. Because I was so scared that when I bent over somebody, one of the lads seen it, they'd be like, mate, what you got on? Because even my best friend, Johnny, he didn't even know that I had incontinence until I told him. Because I was always scared and I'd always bend over backwards, like making sure I wasn't hid. It was constantly on me. Now I've just accepted it and told people, I just bend over anyway. And I just think to myself, like, I'll just kind of be who I want. I'm not bothered if anybody sees it. I'm not bothered about telling anybody about it. And that's only because I've embraced it and thought, why am I putting my life through so much stress just about something that I can't help? I mean, so just tell people, and then it takes that out the room for me, and then I can, they'll actually get more from us. Yeah. And I think uh, by being more me, then people are getting more of Richie being his normal, happy self, rather than me worrying about how I'm going to come over as an image, if I'm going to like fit in with that person, if I put, said them the wrong thing to offend them, or just stuff like that, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I've always told you this, I don't actually watch any other autistic person. I don't follow any other autistic person. I don't follow any other person to do with gender or sexuality i don't do that because i don't want to be educated or and i don't want it to take away from my rawness if you know what i mean yeah. it's not that i don't like I, I don't know i just like 
I worry that if, because I, when I did my degree, I got obsessed with it. I worry that if I look into this type of stuff, then it's going to change the ways that I see the world. And I don't really want to change that because that's what keeps me me. I don't want to fit into another presentation because I remember when I first got diagnosed with autism, somebody said to us, uh, Richie should go to an autism only group. And I went to that group. And I didn't fit in because I seen one guy wouldn't take his hood down. I seen one guy like walking backwards and forwards. And I was like, because I didn't know anything about autism, I was like, oh, do I have to copy these to fit in? Yeah. And I wasn't being my own stimming. I wasn't being my own self. I was just fitting in. And I, and I worry if I watch other people and listen to other people's stories that it'll take away from my story, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's yeah, not self or anything like that. Be, it, it's just that I was. I don't want to lose my myself again. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. question. I'm so vulnerable that I don't want to question myself and I don't want to question my own sexuality. I don't want to question my own autism. I just want to be just me. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes loads of sense. And Does I think it? that's a really good way to be. Oh, well. <laughs> so are you planning on going back into schools? 100%. I've got a good school coming up at the end of the month. Um, I've got another school after that. I have, I'm doing a little um, thing with a film company, which is, they call it a sizzle, where it's a couple of minutes long of the what I want to do all in one, and then we send that off to producers. And then For the documentary? We, yeah, like to try and get like a pilot. And then if you get a pilot, then you can do it, and then you can do it. Because like, I don't know if you watch visual or some the film, that, the series that's on at the minute. Uh, no, I've got it recorded because I have to wait till I've got all of them. Right. Because yeah. I like, I'm enjoying it, and like, I would have preferred to wait for them all so I could just binge watch it. But because um, then you have to wait a week. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But I was thinking, you know, if they can do a four, a six part series on that, then I'm sure they could do a six part series on me. Do you know what I mean? So then I'm just going to see what I can do. And just keep pushing it. I'm going to be in the paper next year, uh, next next month, hopefully, to do with autism and the changes I've made in the police. Um, I just need to. Um, you know, I've just got a few other things I need to sort out first, and I just and I want to try and get back to doing my lives in front of the camera and doing who I am. I, and I need some confidence in like doing more YouTube and maybe just turn off the comments and not worry about what people have to say. Yeah, you know, I think that's a good idea. A lot of people I've spoken to said they don't even read the comments when they put stuff on YouTube because it's too triggering. You know, I've got to like, I've got to remember if I can help three thousand people, fantastic. If two people don't like it, who cares? That's no point, no two. Yeah, well, and you'll always get trolls, regardless of what you do. There's always trolls, and they they physically look for people to yeah. to put a bad comment on. So it's not that they've you know they probably haven't even watched the video. They would never say it in my face. To be honest, I'm a bit of a wild cat. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you should definitely do YouTube. I think that'd be awesome. I, to, I think I should do some sort of. I want to do some sort of like um, series because obviously I've like done my studio and I love it, um, but I don't use it because I'm scared. So I built, yeah. had the idea of what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be, but then I'm scared to use it. I have no yeah. idea how to use half of this stuff that's on the screen and the recordings and the, everything I've got around us. But I don't know. It's just a little bit it's hard. I just need to build. I think, you know what it is? I've always said this as well about autism. Autism is not the hard part. I think the hard part is is the confidence in the anxiety that autism brings. They're the two hardest things for me. And I think people think that you're more confident than you are. Yeah. Because you do because you do, do your presentation, Rich, and yeah, and you're always upbeat and happy. Oh, that's what it seems to everybody. Yeah. But that's not always the case. No, definitely not. I would honestly tell you now that I have been like 
really depressed over the last probably seven, eight months probably. And that's probably, you know what it is, if anybody really knows us would notice that, like I've had an incline in posts on Facebook. I've lost myself. I, put, I basically thought myself, right, well, I can't deal with this. What I'm going to do is just do a project and I've done the garden. And it was a coping mechanism to put all my attention in the garden. But, you know, I can do this lovely talk with you, but people don't see when you come off air what it's really like for us, if you know what I mean. And like you're saying there, you, I am happy. Quite often I am happy. But it takes a lot of energy, if that makes sense. And life isn't as easy as when I make it. Yeah. It like is. After, after this, you'll need time out, won't you? Oh, 100%. I'll be knackered. Yeah. And it's, that, that'll be me done. So my working day could only be one video a day. If you know what I mean, and I don't mind it, but I don't like to talk about all of the rubbish stuff. Like I like to be happy for people, and I like the kids to say, "Hey, God, look, he's happy," because it rubs off on them. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean, and, and it's fine. But people don't understand what really my depression. Me, and I've got a massive detachment disorder. People don't really understand. Like I've got a massive one, um, but I never show it. Like you know, and I've and people don't understand how hard it. It's like. I'm jealous of all of the autistic people that are in special schools because they get to be 100% themselves and they get looked after and they can be themselves. But in my world, when you've got bills to pay, you've got a family and you've got all that extra pressure in life, it's really hard to be completely yourself at the same time. And I've learned to put blankets on and coping mechanisms, but I've got too many coping mechanisms now that it makes it an un unenjoyable day. And the idea over the past couple of months has been that some of them things I'm carrying around, I'm not needing to. It's like I'm carrying around old baggage and I shouldn't need to. I should only now have a few blankets on. But actually, I'm in the, probably the perfect position now where I can be 100% myself because I'm an adult. So nobody can tell us otherwise not to be. Yeah. Do you well, know I'm what I mean? I'm looking forward to whatever, whatever comes next from you. Oh, who knows? I normally, you know what normally happens in my life? I normally get loads of rubbish, right? And then all of a sudden, I get this really cool offer. Or a really cool thing, and then I say, "Wow, isn't he done done well?" Do you know what I mean? But I think to myself, well, you haven't seen how much I've struggled to get back on this camera today. Yeah. If you think March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, seven months I've not been on a live video like for yourself. So it was it for sit in front of you. People might think, "Oh, I look dead confident about who you." But even sit here with this, just this little top on, is a massive, massive big leap forward for me for the next chapter of what Autistic is going to bring. Do you know what I mean? I remember when I first met me uh, Sue, like years and years ago, I put one nail varnish on, one thing on, and when I went and got a coffee at Nemo's, they were like, yeah, I like your nail. Why you got your nail done? And then I went up with a full hand and a full hand. And then for somebody that hasn't seen us for ages and then sees us now, they're like, well, like, why is he, he didn't used to look like that. What the hell's gone on? Well, I, because you haven't seen us for a year and a half. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think because of like the last time you'll have done a video, you'll have looked completely different. You've built this up to, to what you are now. This exactly. is you. But you've done it gradually, you know, to, to become yourself. But for anybody else who sees you from one video to, to this one, you'll look so different. Good. That's what I want. I, I think you look amazing anyway. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> but, yeah, thank, thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. It's been lovely to chat. It's uh, been awesome to get back out and have a little chat. I hope everybody likes to listen to it and take something away from it and understand that life chucks loads of stuff out with. But we'll have to deal with that and get back up. Yeah, and if you're in the northeast, you might see Richie flying around in his Mustang. <laughs> yes, I've got a lovely Mustang. Do you want to see what it looks like? Yeah, if you can. Let's see what I can do. Because before a... COVID, I used to get messages from people saying, oh, I was stopped at the traffic lights and I saw Richie in his car today. <laughs> really, did they? Yeah, and then if you remember after you came to Jamie's school. 
I've been to Ikea and I saw Richie in Ikea. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Right, we're going to try this. Has it worked? Can you see me yellow car? Fantastic. That is my car there. Oh, hang on. Now I can't even see you. Where are you going? Are you on? You are there, aren't you? Right, give us a second. Someone, you know what somebody said? I've got, like, I'm not joking. You said this to us yesterday. Said that I've got cheeky chip, uh, cheeky cheeks. Like, these cheeks. Like, yeah, I just love it when you smile with them cheeky little che cheeks. And I was like, you yeah, thanks. And now I've been like, yeah, have I really got these little cheeky chips? <laughs> so wondering what people, I don't think people understand, like, if, depending if you like myself, where any, like, all the words that you say or somebody says, I've got to process every single word that you've said. It's not that I can just let it go. It takes time to register. And then because it takes time to register, I can sometimes get really stuck on things. And then it's not a big deal. I've just made a lovely comment. But to me, by the time that's sunk in, I've turned it into this big deal. Where I could just go and ring that person because I've got a number. I'm what do you mean? Oh, I was just saying a lovely comment. Oh, thank you. And I've settled myself straight away. Yeah. I've learned that over the past, like, again, over the COVID, is, is that if something's building your anxiety, you're going to approach it and get rid of it. Yeah. Don't just let sit on it. Because if you let it sit on it, you're going to lose yourself. Yeah, so there yeah you, go. you do. You get sucked in, don't you, by, by the thoughts and the feelings. Yeah, and, and then all of these big things turned out as something that didn't really mean what it was. Yeah, definitely. You know? Oh, I'm not good. So I'm good. <laughs> well, have rest. This is like the most I've ever talked. Well, not on a daily basis, because obviously I talk <laughs> a lot in a day, but like, on, a, on a video. Yeah. Well, you've got to have a rest, because my dog's decided that she's going to start barking. I've left yeah. her alone too long. <laughs> cool, man. But thank no, you so much. I'm nice to tell you what you know, what we'll next. Right. Send us a text. Yeah, see you later. Bye. Bye.